This is iFanboy, Pick of the Week, number 754, brought to you by iFanboy listeners, just like you who are washing their hands and wearing their masks and staying six feet apart and trying to have meetings outside if you can, but sometimes it's not an option and it's kind of stressful. episode 754 i'm josh flanagan there's your error i'm also ryan haupt and this is my co-host connor kilpatrick i, I don't know what's going on I, joining us this I, week is josh flanagan i told him to do it i didn't think he would go full ron burgundy <laughs> he just started i'm josh flanagan <laughs> we are ifanboy and every week we read our stack of comics and one of us picks the one that they like the best and we call that the pick of the week we'll talk about that book other books from the week the patron pick some listener mail if we have time and it's going to be fun but there are going to be spoilers it's a spoilerific week of lots and lots of books so if yep. you haven't read your books consider pausing uh, come back or just get over it it'll be fine this week connor has the pick i have the pick and i had a lot of books and I had a lot of fun reading comics this week. I thought it was a really fun week of comics. There wasn't a ton that I read where I thought that was bad or I didn't enjoy it. It was just a good week. In the course of my giant stack of books, which kept growing throughout the week as digital books would be released, and we're going to talk about some of them. Fantastic Four number 25 was head and shoulders above the rest. And it was funny because I didn't even realize, Josh, that you picked 24 until I put this into our little spreadsheet. I completely forgot that I picked 24. I know. I was like, oh. Well, we've done two in a row. And I think that's because this book is really good. Really good. And this is one of those fake anniversary issues that's a little bit bigger. Even <laughs> You know it's a scam when they do it two months in a row with a book. <laughs> Spider-Man 850. Spider-Man 50. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Fantastic Four 670 if you're playing at home. Which, yeah. This is sort of a kickoff of a bold new era, to use the comic parlance of the Fantastic Four series. And it felt just so classic. It had all the elements you want. It had new Fantastic Four costumes, which is a staple of the team. It had science secrets revealed from Reed Richards that did not feel shoehorned in. It felt like it would happen, like he'd have some secret thing hidden in his lab that, when mm -hmm. exposed, would cause trouble. It had Doctor Doom. It had interfamily strife. It had drama with the kids. It had a devastating ending. It had a story just like that original Galactus story where the Herald comes down and fucks everything up. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm too powerful for you. <laughs> it had revelations. It had, you know, Sue's secret spy past, which is a new retcon come to light. It's, it it's, it's interesting because that's one of those things that a lot of times that they would ignore. Right. Like you just be that mini series that I don't remember who wrote it. Mark Wade. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Wade. Mark Wade. And, you know, Dan Slott was like, no, I'll take this in. I'll put it in. And also, I should mention, and I don't think we should leave this on the floor, Reed's fantastic beard. Yeah. He looks great with the beard. I like this look. His Portland they're, beard. They're leaning great. into the Krasinski pretty hard with the art. Yeah. It's great. I didn't great. think about that. He'd be a good Reed. Is that a real thing? Like, it's a real that thing. A... That It's one of those nerd edit. You know, they edit him and uh, uh -huh. his wife, um, Emily. Blunt. Yes. Oh, shit. All right. That's a good one. <laughs> it even had She-Hulk in the costume, which when I was a kid, 
She-Hulk was in the Fantastic Four. So, like, there's this sort of strange elemental reaction I have to seeing her in that Fantastic Four outfit. That panel where she shows up is a straight rip of the John Byrne cover yep. from forever ago. So, you know, instant, like, sense memory. And then we'll talk about the backup story in a minute. When you think about Fantastic Four, you think this is all the elements you think about. And mm-hmm. I th- it's been really well done. We talked about Dan Slott not being huge fans, but also realizing that this corner of the Marvel Universe, the, the Silver Surfer Cosmic yeah. Fantastic Four corner, is really in his strong zone. And it's great. I just think this book's terrific. I used to say I don't like Dan Slott's work, but I think that it's very subjective on where what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't love the Spider-Man stuff, but... I can probably concede that if you liked Spider-Man in the 60s, you probably really loved that stuff, which is why he was on it for so long. Or you, not in the 60s, but the 60s version of it, because this is that. Or this is like, actually, is this more like 70s, 80s Fantastic Four? Probably, like John yeah. Byrne kind yeah. of stuff? Yeah. yeah. Either way, it really is, I mean, this is the best Fantastic Four I remember Yeah. in a long time, at least on a consistent basis. 25 issues in, it's held my attention you're right. That's a really good, like, it has all of those things that you want in this. And it kind of doesn't matter that there's more than four of them. Mm-hmm. All the family stuff is really the thing that's being held on to. And they just, you know, they made uh, Alicia and Ben's family bigger. And so they're part of the whole thing. And that could get old, but right now it's still kind of fun. You Even Doom has a little family now. Right. You know, and then also Doom is, I don't know if this was so much, I think this was Hickman's thing, but, like, he is... a part of the family like he helped raise the kids yeah. and he's very fond of them and that whole connection is really endlessly interesting yeah. i really like that element of they hate each other but they're not necessarily like the level of how much they want to kill each other you know doom and reed sort of vacillates on the depending on the need at the moment and it, it, that's a really interesting thing and then this is your review but <laughs> no, no no this is this is why we're here yeah and then the bit with franklin you know mm-hmm. you know by the end was a really nice, you know, like TV <laughs> ending of an episode, you know, and, and what that's going to mean for him. And, you know, it's such a teenage thing. Basically, what he does in this is at the beginning, he's like, fuck, yeah, I'm a mutant. You know, he's got mutant posters all over he's, his he's wall. He's real into, he, you know, when teen- get really into the subculture, he's got it all. Yeah. So, it's you know, like he just started going to punk rock shows and that's what he's going to be now. And he's got egg in his hair and he's spiking it, spiking it up, you know, and then he loses his power and he's doesn't he's like, shit, I don't fit in. And he finds out he can't use the gate to get to Krakoa. So his whole identity is sort of shattered as he's trying to figure out what it is again. And it's it's interesting because for a long time now, we have been told that he is losing like he's only got so much power and he's about to use it. So he used all of it. And it was like, wow. And then it wasn't enough. And I didn't know when we were going to deal with that. And it feels like we're, and I guess we're going to deal with it now, which is really, really cool. The Doom thing's great because Doom is already attached to them because he was their college buddy, right? Yeah. But now he's sort of like bad uncle. And so he's inextricably linked to their family despite being their nemesis, you know. It, it adds an extra layer of Valeria is always caught in the middle between her dad and her uncle, Doom. And so it's this really interesting dynamic that he brings to the table. Nemesis is the perfect word, by the yeah. way. I love that word because it doesn't necessarily mean enemy. Right. It's a different word. In the same I way think. that Ryan is your nemesis. I don't think Ryan's my nemesis. Tom Caters yeah. is my nemesis. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I just think Ryan steps in when you're out. But yes, you're right, Tom Caters. And I thought the R.B. Silva art was great. 
again, the beard is terrific on reads. It, it's just all working right now. It's, it just feels like a real big Marvel event, this particular issue. There's a lot going on, but it's handled really well. <laughs> it was so much better than Empire. Yes. <laughs> Which is interesting. Ryan, did you read this? No, I am behind on my Fantastic Four, and I didn't catch up on this in the face of several other series to catch up on this week. So I skimmed through it while you guys were talking about it, and it looks fantastic, and I love all the stuff you guys are talking about, so I am looking forward to getting caught up. You, you know what? The, the art actually is, is it's perfect for it. You know, it's not like my favorite artist. It's a little exaggerated. Yeah. Like, it, it works. Yeah. You know, the art and the color is just perfect for what the story is. Which is, I think, the best you can say about comic art. Yeah, it's four-color comics, which Fantastic Four should be a big science adventure. Now, the backup story, which was written by Dan Slott and drawn by Paco Medina, featuring The Watcher and original flavor Nick Fury. Sort of. I didn't read Empire Fallout Fantastic Four. So, all of this was new to me. But apparently, you know, we had Nick Fury... He needed to get shunted aside because someone decided to cast Samuel Jackson in a movie. We had Nick Fury, but we lost him. And so <laughs> they made him into this cosmic being, which is like the dumbest thing you could do to Nick Fury. And then they turned him into the new Watcher. They had him kill the Watcher, and then he become the new Watcher. I don't remember when he killed him, but that was a while ago. So apparently, I guess, you know, because it's cosmic wacky button, as Dan Slott told us 20, 10 years ago, I was going to say 20 years ago, in an interview... The original Watcher has popped out of Nick Fury's eye back to life. <laughs> so here we get a little primer. The, the Watcher gets a recap of what's been going on in the Marvel Universe. And I thought it was fun. And then, <laughs> and then at the end, he makes Nick Fury into the Herald of the Watcher. And he's wearing the original like 60s, 70s Nick Fury costume. But he's still bald. And he's got a cape. And two giant cosmic guns. And I thought, all right, fine. You've beaten me down. Okay. Like, what, do you, what am I going to do here? I'm going to offer a slight counterpoint. I will not fight your counterpoint because I'm just like, whatever. No, no, I hate it's not it, even but... that. I have to admit, although I don't like it, that it is very Marvel Comics oh, sure. to take this character and do this weird-ass shit with him. <laughs> and it's also very Marvel Comics to know that it will turn back, and this is weird, and eventually it will not be a thing that gets mentioned. You know, like, like we don't talk about Hal Jordan as, um, what, what was he called? The Spectre. Yeah. Or, no, or no. Parallax. Well, yeah, that too. Uh, Parallax. Yeah, Parallax. You know, we, you know it's, a, it's a big, wacky, crazy thing, and that's supposed to happen in comics. But... When it's a character that you have very strong feelings about, that they should be this thing or another, it tends to suck at the time. Well, I don't know. We're going on... It was a long time. 2009 or so, when Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury Jr. was introduced. So Yeah. All right, I mean, well, not that specific okay. character, but the idea of him. And so I don't know. This, yes. is a, this is a movie change. So I don't know. Those things tend well, to that's, stick. That's true. But, you know, counter-counterpoint, the... Other option then is you have forty versions of these characters running around like you do over in the Flash, and it's a mess. Yep. What if we created some sort of ultimate universe <laughs> where we could have different versions and origins for these characters, and maybe a little bit less continuity for people to have to keep track of? Yeah. Actually, it's just an additional continuity to keep track of is how that worked out. <laughs> so this, I mean, there was a little two-page thing about emojis that you could download in real life, but um, I don't even know how that works. So. I didn't read that. 
so there you go. Fantastic Four twenty five. I thought it was terrific. I, I really yeah, do. This is right. this is one of Marvel's best books. This is a really fun era of the Fantastic Four right now. In a way, too, that we need. It's you know, it's yep. one of those zeitgeisty things. Like, oh, this is this is the story I want to read right now. Mm-hmm. You know, existential threats. Confident people who can sort of get it, but they're not quite sure of themselves. But you know, they're going to win in the end. Yeah, it's good. Speaking of Reed Richards, he's on the cover of Marvel's X number six, written by Alex Ross and Jim Kruger, with art by Welby. And I'm glad you made me read this, Josh, because this was a really great miniseries. Even if I don't remember that post Marvel's pre Earth X world. Yeah, I don't think I read. Uh, maybe I did read it, but it I definitely matter, read I Earth remember. X, and then there were a ton of spinoffs, and I completely lost the the thread of it. Earth X was, I remember being good. It was uh, Alex Ross and John Paulion, I think. Yeah. That's, That's John Paulion's all you need to say. All you remember. Mm-hmm. It's, it was Kruger and Paulion. It was the same thing yes. here where Alex Ross did the plot with Kruger and Kruger wrote it like here. You know what? I don't know what it is about. I'm not a huge fan of Alex Ross in general. I recognize the talent and everything. But for whatever reason, when he does one of these books, they choose really great artists. Yeah. And they're not like regular Marvel artists. I'd never heard of John Paul Leone before that. I'd never heard of Well B before this. It's good stuff. Again, keeping very classic Marvel. That's Alex Ross's whole thing, right? It's like he wants comics to be like they were in the nineteen seventies and eighties. Which is fine with me. So here you've got a very classic feel. We've talked about this before, but this is the culmination of the story in which the kid David, right? David yes. reaches the end of his journey, although the beginning of a new one and I, th- I thought this was great. There's a really terrific moment with Captain America, who is his idol, and he gets to help him in battle before being mortally wounded. There's a creepy ape Hulk. I vaguely remember the ape Hulk from Earth X. I think that was yeah. setting up the continuity correctly there. And I assume that David's character here at the end, when he gets resurrected, this Daredevil uh, is in the Earth X book, I assume. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. I remember that design. Yeah. Yeah, I same. remember that design very much. I said, oh, I haven't, like, I'd seen it before. So um, combination Daredevil Ghost Rider. You know what I couldn't remember? Who was the trucker? He was Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. Okay, right. I knew yeah. it was somebody, but I just could not remember. Yeah. <laughs> this is a terrific little Elseworlds Marvel story that yeah. they don't call Elseworlds, but it's just really fun. And I love looking at the designs in the back that Alex Ross does, the uh, pencil drawings. Yeah, that was the part that, you know, really struck home. Like, oh, Alex Ross still got it. He can still put a pen to paper and come up with some p- good stuff. Yeah. Especially his no pencil work looks really different than his in his painted work. His painterly style. Yeah. yeah, I actually, I love his pencil work. Yeah. I think that's, I don't love the, I've never loved the painted stuff just as a style, but it'd be really cool to see, like, his penciled stuff get colored by, you know, Matt Wilson or something. Right. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Who's the guy with the wings? Kyle? What's that? What's his superhero name? Wyatt Wingfoot? No, the no, guy no. who can see the future. Oh, uh, Nighthawk. Nighthawk. Yeah. I'm unfamiliar with that. That and He's not great in this because it's sort of unclear who he is or what he's doing. But it is. it very much reminds me of picking up and like I would get like a stack of Avengers comics from somebody, you know, and they'd be from the late 70s or early 80s. And there would always be this one weird mysterious character <laughs> who knows everything that's going isn't, on. Isn't Nighthawk part of the Squadron Supreme? Isn't that his whole deal? You're, I don't know. You, you're bl- your brain is much more elastic than ours. <laughs> the one thing I didn't like about this miniseries was that plot line with the whole Luke Cage decides he really wants to be a cop. And that to me, just especially maybe it's the moment we're in as a society right now. I don't I hear you. 
I don't love the idea of the formerly incarcerated man deciding, oh, law and order and assault weapons and a police badge are my look now. <laughs> and it's I, think just, that's, um, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, that was the one part of this miniseries that didn't really jive for me. You but jive, it, Turkey. It does fit slightly with the original incarnation of the character as done by white men in the 70s. And also, he was the prison. Wasn't he in charge of the prison the in warden. Thunderbolts? Yeah. Yeah. So there's some precedent. He wants law and order in his own yep. way. Yeah. Against well, these mutants. You know what? If we've got to have it, I'd, I'd put him in the commissioner's seat. Sure. For sure. All right. Let's talk about Daredevil 23. Zadarsky and Chichetto. We've been up and down this book, Josh, you and I. But I thought this was a terrific issue. Oh, absolutely. This is a really uh, good overall, issue. I'm up on this book. Yeah, overall, I, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, it's been a great, you know, we've talked about Chip Zdarsky over the past number of years. And I mean, really, he's coming to his own about, you know what? I, I think that when we talk about up and coming writers, we, we leave him out sometimes. But boy, out of the Marvel guys, you see his name on a book. It's worth a look, you know. Yeah, well, he's, he Cates started mode. off in a certain lane and, you know, so it's our yeah. fault or isn't it keeping him in that lane? He can clearly do a lot more than jokey, you know, sticky stuff. Yeah, that's. Yeah, like, you know, I think I saw his name at first and I was like, because he's got an online persona or yeah. did, I don't know, you know, and, and he was he was an artist and you're like, oh, that's weird. He's doing this. But, you know, he's got chops. There's some really nice stuff in here. I, I kept noticing the fact that he's very subtly um, made sure that Matt is constantly referencing his faith. Yep. Yeah. God has a plan for me and God put me on it and he's given me the tools to do whatever. And I really like that. And I think it's done in such a way that it's believable because a lot of times they just have him go to church out of nowhere and it wouldn't really be yeah. part of the conversation but i think it's slid in there in a really nice way because you don't really have a lot of characters of faith or anything like that in in a way that that it feels believable and it does for him that works really well it's great it's also tricky in a world where there are actual gods walking yes. around on the avengers but but that's that's drama yeah the other thing you have in this one is it's basically every major character that he would have an interaction with is, you know, like it's his relationship with Foggy, his relationship with his ex-girlfriend, his relationship with Elektra, his relationship with Kingpin, and his relationship with Peter Parker, all in here. It was like Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was covering a lot of the bases. It, well, it felt very much like the reset, even though we're in the middle of an arc. You know, we have that story where he accidentally killed a guy, and now he's going to go for trial. I don't love all that bit, but this this is the bit where he's sort of setting the table for possibly not being around if he goes to jail so he has to go confront everybody or deal with everybody and he, he patches up his relationship with spider-man which i thought was terrific i love the kingpin scene was terrific yes yeah it's good to, it's good to show the king the kingpin like you're like no he's still this guy the way that he becomes completely savage but then he's like i can't deal with this i have a real job which also tells you he's taking his mayor job seriously which is interesting right i don't want to skip over those two pages where Spider-Man makes a confession about something that I don't remember and yeah. I kind of don't want to know about. But right. either way, for in this story, it gives him a hug. Yeah. You know, yep. and they back up. Like, it's a real, you know, man-buddy moment that I really... Then they talk for hours. You see the sun has come up. You know, they're helping each other talk through this stuff. And no disrespect to my buddy Tom King. Mm -hmm. But this was a really nice way to deal with trauma on a very short... In, you know, in, a, in a, a sort of realistic way that isn't like a whole series about it. Right. 
I want to talk about Marco Cicchetta's art because uh, this is oh. this is some killer. I would say career-defining work. Oh if, yeah. Uh, if they yeah. stick the landing, and his style is evolving from when we first saw him. I almost feel like he's got a David Marquez, Olivier Corpiel mood yep. now, and it's just it's great. I love the way he does Daredevil's costume with kind of the looser fitting pants. Mm-hmm. I love the the physical body differences between Daredevil and Spider Man. You know that Daredevil's physically a lot bigger than Spider Man, but Spider Man is way more powerful. Yep, it's cool. It works really well. Yeah, I think the Marcio Menez colors is it's like on the edge of being the painterly style in some instances, but it it's a weird mix and it works really well. It works really well. It, it's interesting. I think I want to say I saw Chiquetto for the first time. Greg Rucka's Punisher run. Hmm. Was that and before he, was, he did the old man Hawkeye? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Years ago. And and he was okay. I was like, all right, this is fine. He was just like, it was kind of like a, one of those stock Italian artist style. But it's been refined a lot. And and as I yeah, as I was reading this, I just thought, wow, this is, you know, the way that he drew Spider Man's head. Mm-hmm. Great Spider Man mask. The mask around it. Yeah, yeah. It really. And and you're right about that suit. That suit does seem to have a Union suit poop flap in the back. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know what else that would be, but uh, when he's facing down against against Kingpin on page fifteen, he, you know what though? Superheroes need to poop, and you don't want to take all that stuff off. So <laughs> right, you can't you can't be in the men's no. room with your pants around your ankles. What yeah. if Doomsday attacks? I mean, a unitard. Doomsday would be the other universe. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Let's keep on Chips Adarsky and talk about Stillwater, a band struggling. With their own limitations in the face of stars. level band struggling with their own limitations. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to get old, people. <laughs> it's only getting funnier. Chip Zdarsky, Ramon K. Perez, uh, Mike Spicer, Russ Wooten. This is uh, image. This The first issue was a patron pick. I read issue two. Did you read issue two, Josh? <laughs> yep. Sorry. <laughs> Ryan, no, you brought this up. You, you, you take this off of this one. You wanted to talk about this one. I did want to talk about this. I, I wasn't able to talk about the first issue with you guys. I think I might have liked the first issue a little bit better, but I'm still excited by this series. I don't know. It's it's just a good horror mystery comic. You know, the, They're fleshing out the premise a little bit, learning a little bit more about this town, this world, and it has a really, really creepy ending. <laughs> There's a little bit more of the mystery of whether or not this main character is it Dan, Daniel, is actually from this town of Stillwater originally, and whether this woman who's claimed to be his mom is really his mom, and he has to go get judged by the judge who has the, the option to kill him if he wants. And it's, you know, it's October. I'm looking for spooky things. And this is, this is scratching that spooky itch. And so I'm enjoying it. The judge almost has a mullet. Yeah. Almost. He's on the edge. So do I. I read him as Steven Root a little bit. <laughs> it didn't look like him, but I heard it in there. And yeah. that, that made it a little more fun. I like this issue a lot. It's funny when I, I don't necessarily recognize Ramon Perez's pencils immediately when I see them. I'll well, be looking through. They're go, different than they were when he yeah, first yeah. came on the scene I'll, with Jim Henson's book. Tales it Sam. happens that I am always looking at his work and just going, "This is great. Who is this?" And then I go back to the video and goes, "Oh right, yeah, yeah, of course." And that that's happened to me several times for some reason. So it's beautiful. It's a lot like uh, that Texas Blood, other than the supernatural element. It's like this guy goes to this town and everything's kind of weird and they all hate him and something's yeah. going on just because those two books are happening at the same time in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting them mixed up a little bit. I like it. I think it's really good. I don't know how excited I am about the premise of him being in this town where he doesn't want to be there and hates it. And everything. This is like, sounds like a TV show that everybody would like that. I would get bored of. I mean, no, it I'm sounds reading more it. like twin peaks than anything else to me. Uh, it's all those stranger coming to town is a, you know, well-worn trope. Yeah. I, th- 
agree with both of you. I like it. It's fun. The ending was disturbing, but I need to pretty soon see more. Like, what is the actual story here? Like, yeah. And I realize it's only issue two, but okay. So there's a small town in the Canadian woods that is everyone is immortal in the town. You can't die. You heal. You don't age. And so, what does that actually mean? Like, these kids clearly set up his friend to die, which is also creepy. Does that mean they've been kids the whole time? Do they have kids not age? Yes. So that's, you know, got a little bit of black hammer in it of, you know, what does that mean to be a kid forever? You don't get to experience anything, you know, any of the adult things. And there's a two-page flashback that has, like, a wolf coming up to a kid, and we don't really know what that means or what's going on there. That was, um, and so I'll be interested to see what the explanation Right. So I'm, I'm looking. F- I'm looking to find out more because I'm interested, which is good. I'll tell you a thing I like about it. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that to the people of the town, this is their regular life. Mm-hmm. They don't all act creepy and weird and mysterious to each other. Right. It's just this is this is their life. Like normal people, like this is their life. They live in this town or whatever. Outsiders are one thing, but amongst each other, they're just acting like normal people would in these circumstances, right. as opposed to always being sort of arch and looming and mysterious and just giving lots of meaningful looks all the time without, you know, acting like they're actual people. So I like that element a lot. And then if you don't like somebody, you shoot them in the head. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. He'll get over it in a few days. So <laughs> it's, it's still interesting for sure. I want to take a quick second. We are packed today, so we're going to rush through this a little bit. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where you can go to support the show. Our next stretch goal is the G.I. Joe Corner Weekly. And then after that, if we get past that point, miracle of miracles, there will be a quarterly barbecue show back in some form that we can work out in this world. Do you know the last time I had barbecue? I couldn't even tell you. That's a problem. I know. We found we have a. I, I said I wouldn't do this. We found a local place. Not found there was one that opened, and I wasn't sure about it for a little bit. And then we kept getting it more. And now I'm like, this is a great barbecue place. And to the extent that Lindsay, who does not love barbecue, is like, you know, we should get the smoke shack tonight. I was like, <laughs> yes, we should. And it's real good. Right. Sorry. You're probably eating barbecue all the time with your power lunches and your Senate hearings. I but I haven't been to my favorite barbecue place in D.C. in in COVID land because they switched to doing like a sandwich only concept, but they do have this one sandwich called Jimmy Muscles that is an excellent sandwich. And if you're in, I recommend everyone go and try Jimmy Muscles. To point out that city goers say things like a sandwich concept. Yeah. (laughs) 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 All right. Top chef. Anyway, patreon.com slash I fanboy slash. That is where you can support the show directly. You probably know what it is. We talk about it a lot, but those things that you do matter very much to us. And we thank everybody who's part of that. And we appreciate all the different things that we have to slash get to do uh, as a result of those uh, those donations to the show. T-shirt stores over at ifanboy.threadless.com. There are eight designs over there. They don't just have to be T-shirts. They can be crew neck sweatshirts. I bet they have baseball tees. I can't confirm that. I have one. I have the Stay Home Read Comics and Baseball Tee. There you go. Yeah. I like a baseball tee. Yeah. Uh, new designs are, well, they're in our minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, com slash support is to uh, skip all that stuff. You will eschew all the other ways and just do the old ways, which is to use PayPal. If you're like, man, I love what these guys do. I'd love to send some stuff their way to help them feel supported and appreciated. That is where you would go to do that, ifanboy.com slash support. And then finally, ifanboy.com slash Amazon, where you can find a general link to Amazon, which if you're like me, hey, I haven't got any packages today. I got to break up something. Uh, that's a good way to do that. And you will also find links to buy all the books that we talk about on the Booksplode podcast. There's a link to the, the pick of the week in there every, every week. And then the music 
uh, that we use on the show is always linked in the show notes there. So that's another thing you can do to help support us. Thank you to everybody who does that. Moving along to Mr. Hardman. We have a lot of books to talk about, so we're going to do this quick. Uh, Batman Gotham Knights 19, one of the digital first issues, is relevant and fun because it was a Gabriel Hardman short story uh, written and drawn by him. Batman Batwoman team up against Dr. Phosphorus, and this is great. He's so good, and he just loves doing Batman stories, which is fun for me. It's just a nice little quick 15-page Batman team-up story. It's very classic, very I think it was interesting that he brought Batwoman into it. Yeah. I love Dr. Phosphorus. If you're Gabe and you like to draw that stuff, I could, I, I totally know why you'd want to use that as your villain. It's cool. It's just a, it's just a fun little classic Batman 15-pager. Yep. Like, I want to rewatch Chernobyl. But I, most things make me want to rewatch Chernobyl. <laughs> It was actually interesting in the face of other Batman comics this week, which are mired in the sort of, you know, continuity of the day without Alfred and bullshit with Wayne Enterprises. This was a nice counterpoint to sort of classic, continuity-free, this is how Batman stories should be done, and it made me hate the other ones all the more. (laughs) Over to Spider-Woman number five. This book is nutso-batshit in, like, a really great way. I've really enjoyed this. I think we're talking a lot about classic Marvel and stuff getting back to their roots. And you know, there's a lot of fun little books going on at Marvel right now. And they don't tend to be the main thrust. This has been a theme for a while. But like Spider-Woman is tricked into doing this thing to help save this guy's daughter. And it turns out that that's actually her brother. And then they go to Wondagore and that's her, her long lost mother's there and it's this beautiful reunion but then it turns out that the mother's a crazy clone and then they have a big spitting venom fight because they're all drugged up on shit. <laughs> it's nuts and it's it's very like it's really going far out of the way I think to portray this character as something other than a sexy lady mm-hmm. and she gets to still be a sexy lady and she's like my butt looks great in this costume but at the same time, like she's drooling green slime and fighting, and she's uncontrollable rage. Oh, I love it. She she throws a tantrum almost every issue, where she just yeah. is like flipping tables and throwing books. And I'm just like, yeah, this would be a really frustrating situation to be in. And if I had super strength, <laughs> things would probably not go as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's nuts. I, I don't even I couldn't even tell you exactly what's going on, but I don't care because it's nuts and it's really fun and i love this character i always have and you know like it's one of those things like making her a mother but still keeping her as this character i think has worked out really well dennis hopeless you know i don't think he ruined the character by doing that i think he gave her a dimension i didn't read the the original story but i get marv wolfman vibes off the husband character like Mm -hmm. the the famous uh terry when he made himself into the character that donna troy fell in love with and like i get those vibes not from Dennis hopeless it just feels weird this he's got this kind of like schlubby bearded husband Roger? Yeah. Isn't he the badger? Is that his... Porcupine? Badger? Something like that. Yeah. What's the hedgehog? Was he a hedgehog? I don't think he was a hedgehog. Whatever. So I, hedgehog. But you know what? It was a really, it was a really organic and long process mm-hmm. to get him to that point. Because sure. I think two versions ago, they were like a little heroes for hire team with Jessica and Ben Urich and Roger. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it's an out. It's one. It's one of those things. Like whenever I watch TV shows where they have a baby or kids, like it's there's always some convenient way that the kids aren't around. And I was like, really? Because my kids take up ninety eight percent of my time and energy. But meanwhile, the Americans are off destroying capitalism, and nobody cares about the kids at home. <laughs> and Rogers, you were like, a kid in that age. That. You were. What, how often did you see your parents in the eighties? All the time. I but know. my mom worked nights. <laughs> mm. 
So did the Americans. It was a latchkey yeah. kid. No, they run a travel office. Not well. <laughs> Not well at all. Deceased. Hope at World's End, number 12. Tom Taylor, Marco Fela, and this is the moment we've been waiting for, which I thought was the final issue, but apparently is not, in which, in the big battle with Black Adam, we lose both Stephanie Brown, Robin, and also, very tragically, I thought, well done, John Jones' death. That was very sad. Before turning, he decides to phase into the middle of the earth so he can't hurt anybody. I thought that was very 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 John Jones. Darwin Cook, New Frontier, John Jones thing, I thought, if that that tracks. Yeah, it was good. You know, we've been talking about the whole time Stephanie became Robin uh, to Damien's Batman, and we've just been waiting and waiting and waiting, and they keep doing the fake out, and then finally she gets blasted by Black Manta, who's been turned, and she dies, but now, perhaps, to live again through the one last Lazarus pit there is on Earth. And I really thought this was the end, and it's like, next, all that war, it's like, more deceased, <laughs> which is great. There's, well, there's, there's hope at World's End. You thought it was the end. Right. There's hope. Maybe. That turn with Black Manta, mm-hmm. that was some classic horror movie shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Boom, and he, he cyclops that thing. Yeah. Good stuff. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 55, story by Ryan Parrott, art by Moises Hidalgo, colors by Walter Bimonte. I was hoping that you guys, out of disdain, would put this at the very end, and I was going to inaugurate Go-Go Power Corner. No. Or the Mighty Morphin Power Corner. Something I want a corner. I'm sorry, real quick. Connor, what the fuck's he talking about? I don't know, but I, I will tell you this. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are never getting their own corner. Just, <laughs> that's just not going to happen. Write in if you want me to fight for you the You can all write in. All Every single one of you can write in. None of you are producing the show. It's never going to get its own corner. Um, this is this a by dictatorship. Yeah. This is not a democracy. <laughs> Except for the patron pick. I also believe that this is the final issue of the series. It ends with the uh, Power Rangers fighting some new created Terror Rangers in their Terror Zords. Lord Zed, <laughs> Lord Zed is using the power of his Green Chaos Emerald to, to control the Terror Zords. But what he doesn't know is that the Power Rangers have actually repaired the Green Power Crystal. And so when all seems lost, uh, who shows up? That's right, Green Power Ranger. But who is the Green Power Ranger? We don't know. It's probably Lord Dracon, which is Tommy from uh, Alternate Reality. We're going to find out. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is a great Wacky Zany series. It scratches the same itch for me that Cobra Kai scratches. It's just, it's uh, it's rad teens with attitude. Ratitude, you could say. They're just having a good time doing karate, fighting with giant robots. You made a good case for... Power Ranger Corner. It's never going to happen, but you made the best case one could possibly make with that recap. So <laughs> Thank you. Good for you. I believe this is the end of the series, and it's going to be split into two new series, Mighty Morphin and then Power Rangers, both still to be written by Ryan Parrott, and he's just doing a great job. He's really fleshing out the universe. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Just before we get the emails, I recognize that it's no more ridiculous than superhero comics, but this that's just... Yeah. It's just a different thing. Ryan and I had a conversation recently where like, I was like, I don't think of you as a kid anymore. Even though you were a kid when I met you, I know that you're an adult now. But what happened was he just changed that. <laughs> he lost he all, all a, the standing. Because Yeah, he said a bunch of shit that kids <laughs> used to say when I had stopped being a kid. And so he's, he's probably a kid. It doesn't help that your brother was a big fan, wasn't he? Your little brother? I think. Yeah, I think so. As soon as he said the word Zord, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> It really is for us. I think it is that moment where you go from liking cartoons to not liking cartoons. That's exactly what the Power Rangers is. Like, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was over, and I was like, all right, we'll move on to girls and whatever. You know, and so that just reminds me of like the, when I, the first thing when I was a teenager, and I was like, ugh, stupid kid stuff. It's what it's, that's exactly what it is to me. But that's not Friday number two came out from Panel Syndicate 
Brubaker and Marcos Martin. This was another one that came on midweek, so it expanded my pull list. And I think this issue suffered only because I don't even remember when the, last, the first issue came out. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the details that were, I was like, wait, what, hap- what was happening again? So it's not the fault of the book, but it's just the fault of life where I thought about if I had been really impacted by the story, this might have been the pick because it looked great. Marcos Martin, I love the way his characters' faces are exaggerated, but also very familiar as human faces you've seen. The story is interesting and fun. We talked about this before with the first issue. I read all these books as a kid, Encyclopedia Brown, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So Brubaker's strange, dark take on it was fun. I like this. I mean, like it was the same thing. I kind of remembered what was going on from the first one. I was like, oh, some guy killed himself or was weird. And then there was sexual tension. That was kind of all I remembered. And and la- last time, I think you had more of a connection to the yep. sort of the, I don't want to say source material, but this time I, I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, at first I wasn't very excited about reading it because I kind of remembered what it was. But uh, as, I, as I kept going, I was like, all right, there's some human drama I can get behind here. I, I dig this. Yeah, it's okay. I like the montage page of all their different adventures yes. growing up, with all the yeah. book covers. That's fun. No, I, I like this a lot. We got the history of their relationship, and there's donuts and hockey. She's got this very you know sort of squished face, but it works. You can see her as a real person. Mm-hmm. He starts off as a kid. Uh, I don't know. His, I don't know. Encyclopedia Brown. It's not his name, but he starts off as a kid at the beginning, and by the end, he's older, and he he grows a very in a in a re- realistic way. It just the art was terrific. Thesaurus Johnson. Is it? Is it? No. <laughs> just give him fake names every time. Dictionary Smith. <laughs> Calculator Cameron. All right. Guardians of the Galaxy 7. Is anyone else reading this? this no. Is... I keep right. starting to and then forgetting and dropping off. Well, this is a story by Al Ewing, art by Mario Takara and Stefano Lindini, colors by Federico Blee and letters by Corey Pettit. I'm having a lot Were of Were you trying to say Mario? Is that, that's it how it's written be, in the script. It should say Marcio. I believe oh. that's his Marcio. There's your error. Marcio Takara. Yep. That's, that I is mean, different. do you want to get on into the... it and tell that you didn't send me the creative team from your book? I don't we, know that he knows get into to it do live that. on the show. I don't think that was in the training packet that Carol sent me from <laughs> HR. Awkward. I'm having a lot of fun with this Josh, series. Josh, write it down. we got to have a meeting with Carol. Shut up. <laughs> uh, Peter, Peter Quill is dead. Which is oh, a bummer boy. for everyone. He was killed by some gods. And Again? yeah, yeah. Gamora's real mad at Rich Ryder about it. So they're having kind of a weird, you know, well, he was my best friend. Well, I loved him. Well, I loved him too, sort of. Oh, situation. they're totally going to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marvel Boy and Hercules are fucking. So that's a thing that's happening now, which is. And then Marvel this Boy is the, and Hercules. Oh, yeah. Hercules is down for whatever. Oh, it's perfectly. As is Marvel book. Boy. Yeah. And Al Ewing is doing a really fun job with Marvel Boy. I feel like he's legitimately updated from when Grant Morrison created him, and it's fitting much more into the Kieran Gillen Young Avengers vibe. Like when he introduces himself, he gives yeah. his pronouns. Um, hi, Marvel Boy, Novar, he, him. And I'm just like, that's that's clever. Like that's a good riff on how a character this age in this culture would talk. He has to get dressed up in his diplomatic best to go to a diplomatic meeting to represent the Kree Utopians at uh, this post-Empire council that has to happen. And he dresses up to look very much like Adam Ant and everyone teases him about it. And then it's just a bunch of like diplomatic maneuvering with a murder mystery thrown in. And then they need a detective who's unaffiliated with any of the dominions being represented. So Rocket Raccoon and a trench coat and a fedora with a flask shows up to solve a mystery. I'm excited to see where it goes. Josh, it was announced this week that Maestro is getting a sequel. Oh, cool. Which is funny because it's a prequel to a book. So it's a double prequel. 
Yeah, but it's just an old man Hulk world, sure. really. Mm-hmm. Maestro number three, I, I read two and three actually this week. I pretty basic, basically have the same review that I had for Spider-Woman. This is crazy to go nuts. Yeah, it's fun. It's weird, wacky shit, and uh, you know, there's no sense reading this that Peter David is a guy from the past who is not in touch with what comics should sound like. Mm-hmm. Except the title of the issue was Adagio, and I was like, no one's going to like. Those are words that we used to hear in comics, you know, like a long time ago, but they're not there anymore. I liked that part. I've had a ton of fun reading this really dumb series. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Maestro isn't who you think, and and it just. It's it's and the Hulk is you think he's got like, oh, maybe this is the thoughtful Hulk. And he's like, no, humans are stupid. Well, that's the thing is you haven't read the original, which was originally yeah. originally from the early 90s. We talked about this before. I was a huge fan of it. So I know what's coming. So it's interesting okay. to see how we're going to get there. But yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I love all the bits cool. with Hercules and fighting each other because Hercules has, no, has had no one to fight for years. And I yeah. love Rick Jones oh, with oh. all the memorabilia, you know, going around in Professor X's wheelchair. Like it was all very good. Yeah, it's really fun, and you know, there, there's this one little bit where Hulk takes off and he's by himself, and he's like, Hulk doesn't need anyone anyway. And I was, or he's like, I do, he didn't say it like in Hulk speak, and I was like, yeah. but that's classic Hulk right there. That's yeah. uh, he's the strongest one there is. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was it was super fun. What a, it's been a really fun little mini, so I'm looking forward. And her, to And Herman Peralta is incredible. Yes, 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 incredible. absolutely. Herman, really good. I don't know where he came from, but he should he should be doing more after this. Mm-hmm. So those are the books we're going to talk about. There's a lot of them. It was a big week, but we always give you, the patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, the opportunity to vote to add a book to the rundown. It's usually an image number one. This week's image number one, the scumbag number one, Rick Remender, Louis LaRosa, Marino, Denicio, Russ Wooten. Rick Remender is definitely working things out. Go on. In his books, his, a lot of his hopes and fears of humanity... Oh, political yeah, yeah. situation, the nature of man, which means a lot of the times his characters get more and more unpleasant. I have a question uh, as we go through this before mm-hmm. we get started. Yeah. Ryan, you grew up in a more rural area, as did I. So I assume when you saw this guy, you thought, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he has a certain sound and a flavor. And I'm guessing it's not very different than the, the sound and the flavor of the guy in my head like this. I think we all know this guy. But, Connor, do you know this guy? Just from TV. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So I wasn't sure if there was a New York City flavor of that. But that's a real person. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's everywhere. There's always a different... Uh, David Cross used to do this joke in his stand-up act that was like, no matter where you are, rednecks all the same. My name is fucking Miles Johnson, and I'm from Ballsmont, Montana. <laughs> and then my name is fucking Miles uh, Stuperman, and I'm from uh, Berwick, Maine. Like it's always the same and the same accent, and this is who that guy is. And I thought that was kind of funny. I was trepidatious when I started reading it. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, my real question was, is the story that this person is redeemable? Or is it that the person is who the person is, and that is a constant, and the and the stuff you know everything revolves around him? Well, this is a number one. Was there an essay at the back for you to read that would tell you? There was. But I, I didn't read it. it. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want. I don't. I'm tired of. You, we talked about this. So just real, real quick. It's you know you've got this redneck drug addict, alcoholic guy, and he's fiending for drugs. He gets some drugs. He falls down on the street and does the drugs while also simultaneously having diarrhea <laughs> while everyone's watching and filming it. And it just so happens that around the corner, 
is a su- super agent superhero fight happening. And uh, his vial of heroin gets mixed up with the vial of essentially super soldier-esque serum. And so he ends up taking that and gaining the super- these powers that these heroes are fighting over. While the superhero guy injects heroin into his heart and dies. He also gets shot in the head. There's a lot of things that happen. So now this guy, the scumbag, has this power, the only power that can save the world. So he's the worst human being on the planet. And he's the only one that can save us. So that's the setup. That's really all we get here. So we don't know what's happening. Yeah, he's going got like here. 10 minutes before this big bomb goes off. Yeah. So the next issue is presumably going to be him finding and diffusing this bomb, presumably in an unorthodox way. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't. Is it a miniseries or do we know? I, mean, I don't know. They don't advertise that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it could go either way. I think there could be, you know, it has a very, like, like I could see this with a Glenn Fabry cover mm-hmm. coming yeah. out. Oh, yeah. This almost feels like a like a British comic from, you know, Vertigo comic from the 90s. I don't know. I think I enjoyed it. It's a fun little premise. I think it could wear thin really quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I was a good comic across the board. The problem is, you know, as much as Remender may need to work this stuff out, I I see enough stories about these kinds of people in the news doing things that I feel are bad for society. I'm not sure I want this in my entertainment right now. I know exactly what you're saying. Sometimes it's th- there's there's two sort of methods on working out current events in fiction. You know, there's one is to the Fantastic Four go over there, do that, and then there's you know trying to examine it head on as it's happening. And I always have a hard time with that because we don't have any context to it. It's all id not all of it but you know it's you just you're just like ah, i gotta i gotta work through this and I don't, I don't always love that i don't like war movies going from the time of the war that is still going on because i don't feel like we have any perspective on it but also i see the value in it, it just doesn't work for me does mm-hmm. that make sense yep we don't know where this is going yes and that's key i and i totally understand what you're saying ryan and he's not a pleasant person to be around it's not like he's got some redeemable quality we've seen so far or even something that makes him you want to have him be your protagonist so i totally get it I think this is the classic case of an image number one that might have been better served by being a number one and two. Yeah. Because it seems like this second issue of the story is going to kind of cap the first adventure that this guy has, and then maybe we'll go from there. I think maybe if I saw how the situation works itself out in a way that maybe I can find something about the character I don't find as distasteful, right? I'd be more interested in sticking with the story. But as it stands right now on this sort of cliffhanger, I'm kind of not sure. I don't know if you can redeem the character, so you might have to have other people around him. There has to be some other cast. It kind of reminds me of uh, um, who are the guys from Hitman? They had the mini series that Garth Ennis did. You know, like there's the drunken yeah, the, the, superhero the, team. The dog welder and six pack. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had a team name. I can't remember what it was. The it reminds me. Of, it yeah. reminds me of that a little bit. And like those characters never get resolved, but they're a gag. You know, right. and, and right now that I mean, right now, this is a gag. So what happens after this is going to determine, I think, whether it's it's worth it. But maybe it's worth it. But it wasn't like it wasn't like super funny. It was super gross and outlandish, yeah. but it wasn't funny. If that does that. Yep. Yeah. Remender clearly has anxiety about needing to use the bathroom and not having a bathroom to use because this is shut up in multiple books. Don't you? Not to this level where I'm constantly worried about it and putting it in my fiction. Well. I'm also home all the time. Yeah, yeah. But Connor, <laughs> Connor, you grew up in the city. Yeah. And there's two kinds of, of city poop anxieties. 
or there's anxiety and not. Non-poop anxiety means that you sort of know what to do if you're in the city and you have to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. You find a hotel. There's certain kind of businesses you know where not to try. But when you first get to the city, because this story takes, oddly enough, this person that, that Connor doesn't know that Ryan and I do is in New York City. But when you first get to the city, if you have to go to the bathroom badly, you could be in a lot of trouble if you don't know how to work that system. That happened to me in San Francisco when mm-hmm. I first moved to California. It, yep. was, <laughs> it was real rough. I can still see myself on 34th Street going, oh, no. Well, that's easy. You go to the New Yorker Hotel on 34th and 8th. See? That's why Connor doesn't have that anxiety. <laughs> Did you see that? There's, there's, Yeah, no, I know now. Now there's Grand Central. There's the Grand Hyatt that was outside of that on 42nd Street. You go in that hotel. That had floor-to-ceiling doors, which was nice. So, anyway... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's going to depend. And the thing about Remender is, and we'll wrap this up because we've been going long, is that he can do a lot of stuff. This could be a 60-issue Black Science-esque story, or it could be, I think this most recent one was like seven issues. We don't know, you know? I mean, I trust him yeah. totally to be able to build something out of this. I was back and forth on the, on the Louis LaRosa art. Sometimes mm-hmm. I liked it, sometimes I didn't. It's very busy, but yeah. it worked I, I didn't of- love it. I think it was not quite there. I don't think it was bad. I think no. it just needs uh, seasoning. So what are we going to rate uh, the scumbag? Number one out of five ratings. 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 Three and a half. Yeah, I could have gone 3.25, but I'm, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. I was thinking a three and a half as well, only because it's maybe not the comic that I want to be reading right now, but it's not a bad comic. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I also think three and a half. I think three. That's about where we are. I'm going to read the next issue. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not. Ooh, that's fine. Yeah, I'll read it. All right. That's fair. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go vote to add a book to the rundown and get your superpower at the $5 or higher level. We got three this week because we got three of us. Jason Wade is first up. And what Jason Wade has is total control over his digestive system. So he never has a scary bathroom moment. He doesn't. He knows exactly. <laughs> he he has control over it. Uh-huh. You know, let's let's just say, for example, that this week I have once again scheduled a dentist appointment at about 10 a.m., which I is a mistake I have not learned from <laughs> because. What happens at 10 a.m., Josh? That's about. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let people read between the lines, but. Like Connor said, he's always at home. Well, I've been working at home for 12 years. And so... you got a highly tuned body. I do. I do. I know what to expect and when to expect it. But when you mess that up by sitting in a dentist chair while someone pokes around your head and it's not time for that, this is not an issue for Jason, though. Mm-hmm. Jason, like, say that you're on a road trip. You ever been stuck on, like, a, like a jam up on the highway? Yeah. And have to go... He do, it's fine. He doesn't need to look for a large cup. <laughs> in an emergency. He doesn't worry. He doesn't need to worry. Say that he's traveling in South America, and uh-huh. he tries some new food that he's never tried before. Not a problem for Jason. I don't think. It, that, what about fear-based? So, like, is he ever, can he, you know, <laughs> is he ever frightened into peeing, or is he immune I mean, from that as well? Do, let me ask you this: Do you know anyone that's actually happened to outside uh, of fiction? Dogs. I've seen it happen to, to okay. various canines in my life. But you know what? Fine. I will extend it to that. That is not an issue. <laughs> He will not shit himself from fear. I'm just, I went whitewater rafting last weekend, and there are moments on the river where you're like, well, if I was in the river, I could just pee, but I'm in a boat with other people. I probably right. Right. clamp this down. But 
All right, we can't go down this road. It's not it's not uncomfortable for him either. That's all. That's crazy. nice. That's huge. He doesn't he doesn't have to do the squeeze walk. <laughs> I'm walk, sorry, walk, Jason. <laughs> Billy Lupton, when he activates his power, his legs change into human grasshopper legs, and then he can he can jump yeah. the human equivalent of a grasshopper. Human equivalent of a grasshopper. Yeah. So like a football field? I don't know. Whatever the equivalent is, I don't know how far grasshoppers like jump. Like But he his legs grow and get bent, and then he hops. Did they get all buggy? No, this, they're just grasshopper shaped and sized, but they're all still human legs. Yeah, football field. I was right. He can jump. A grasshopper a football can, can jump about thirty inches, and if you could jump that many times your body length, that would be about a football field. But he gets grasshopper legs and jumps. I like the sound that the grasshopper makes when it hits the ground again. I find that a satisfying sound. What happens if he turns off the legs while he's midair? Does he break his human legs? Well, he, yes. he would. Yeah, he would land with injury. He needs to keep the legs to land. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. It makes sense. I'm just trying to make sure yeah. we're all on the same page. I, mean, I don't know why he would do that, but yeah, he could. If he's well, he might be doing, he might be doing tricks. So like, check this out, and then he for, he doesn't turn it back in time, and then he dies. It's like when the motorcycle guys let go of the bike while they're in midair. Exactly. The super, that's called the, the, the no-hander. Yeah. No-hander, Superman, is when you're still holding onto the bars, but you kick your body out. Right, straight. you plank. And then a Superman no-hander is some crazy shit. Which he could do a I super just, grasshopper I, no-hander. I just had an actual shiver. Russell, <laughs> you think it's Weber or Weber? Russell Weber. 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 Can summon a giant robot... To wherever he is to help him fight his battles. Uh, a Zord, if you will. Some sort of mega uh, Zord. Can we shut his mic off? <laughs> <sighs> okay. You, all right. you made him into a, what, a fucking Power Ranger? What happened? No, he doesn't. He can't, he can't morph. He's not, he doesn't have the mighty morphing capabilities, but he can summon a Zord. I literally have no idea what the Power Rangers do. This is not an invitation to tell me. I wasn't going to tell you. Okay. You don't deserve <laughs> to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when somebody tries to explain Doctor Who to me. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no one asked for that. My ignorance is not an invitation for information. It's fine. <laughs> it's a variety of different giant robots. So if he wants a giant T-Rex, he could summon that. If he wants a giant cat, he can summon that. Anything he wants? Within reason, you know, within Power Rangers canon, I think. A dragon. <laughs> You've literally made him a Power Ranger now. No, he can't morph. He can just summon the Zords. <laughs> this right, is an important us. distinction in Power Rangers lore. Russell, Billy, and Jason, thanks for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go and vote. Not vote. You can also vote there, but you can go and join up and help support the show and get your own superpower live on the show. We thank everyone who does that. Let's do the one email I've been waiting for Ryan to be on the show for, Rashad B. So I've been reading Doomsday Clock for the first time, and spoilers. Firestorm just made breathable air on Mars. Could he terraform Mars and make it into an Earth-like planet if he had the right knowledge of the breakdown of things whispered in his ear? No. No? Not really. I would need a little bit more info on exactly how Firestorm's powers work, but even if you converted most of the atmosphere, you know, Mars's atmosphere is primarily carbon dioxide, so even if you converted most of it to oxygen to, you know, about 20-30%, which is about what we have on Earth yep. for it to be breathable to humans, Mars isn't physically big enough or massive enough to hold on to that level of atmosphere. Really? So you it would float away. Yeah, just leak out, essentially. Per- so Percentage-wise, how much smaller is it? About the third the mass of Earth. No shit. Mass? Okay. 
but that's what really? affects the gravity, right? I think I'm thinking about yeah, no, I was I think I'm thinking about like every sort of model I've ever seen, which sort of makes it slightly smaller than Earth, but not not a third. That's interesting. Or I think it might be a third smaller, so maybe it's two thirds. Oh, okay. Or, that no, makes no, more yeah. sense. The surface yeah. gravity of Mars is thirty eight percent of that of Earth. So right, forty percent. One third. I G. never thought of that as an effect of the mass, but I guess it would have to be. Yep. You would have a hard time maintaining the atmospheric pressure you would want to be comfortable as a human on the surface of Mars. So Firestorm would probably constantly have to be regenerating the oxygen that dissipated out into space. And so I don't know how long he could keep that going to consider it terraform and livable. The other issue on Mars is that Mars, as far as we can tell, no longer has active plate tectonics. And you need those active plate tectonics to recycle the crust. In Mars, you would want a good amount of CO2 in the atmosphere because you would want that greenhouse effect that we're experiencing here on Earth, and it's terrible. But since Mars is further from the sun, you actually want that little bit of extra heating. And the way you keep that replenishment cycle going of the the release and the drawdown of CO2 is volcanic activity and mountain weathering. So you would need that active sort of plate tectonic cycle of exposing magma, but also the silicate weathering cycle that kind of turned the you know turns the Himalayas into the Appalachians more or less uh, to go continuously to keep that cycle going. So it's a continuous cycle and Mars is missing some of the key elements that I think would be needed to make it sustainable after one sort of treatment from a being like Firestorm. So when you were reading The Expanse and every time they would talk about Mars, were you like, this is just bullshit? No, because they all live underground. Yeah, but they were talking about terraforming it. No, I know that, but like the whole thing they were going to do is terraform it. That was the grand experiment. Yeah. In the world of the Expanse, though, you have other options, even not mentioning the alien technology. But, you know, if you did asteroid bombardments for hundreds of years because they have that capability, they're constantly hauling objects out from the outer solar system. You could Mm -hmm. increase the mass of Mars. Could you increase it enough to get the effect you want? It would take a really, really long time. But terraforming Mars is going to take a really long time anyway. It's a generations-long project, not a one-superhero-long project. Are you telling me that the Genesis effect in Star Trek was bullshit? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a Trekkie, uh, so I couldn't even tell you what that is. Fine. This is a whole new thing that I had not considered. It seems very obvious now in retrospect. So the idea that we send people out into space to look for a bit ha- uh, hospitable, you know what I mean? Habitable. There you go. I said that, but I Also hospital planets, too. Yeah, yeah you, you combined hospital. hospitable and habitable. Into yeah, a... but they would have to be of a certain mass. That it's the Goldilocks, you know, the Goldilocks. It's very, zone. very, very rare. That's why there's, yeah. See, because I was always thinking of that in terms of just distance from the sun. And for some reason, I guess I was equating that with the atmosphere for no reason. But I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, the, other, all, the, other issue, yeah. the other issue with Mars is, I, I think as far as I understand, Mars does not have a magnetosphere. So it doesn't have a magnetic dipole created by the spinning core of our Earth. The iron. And without, without that magnetic dipole... Mars is not really shielded from the a lot of the cosmic rays from the sun. Right. So I think you would also die of radiation poison. Well, there'd be a whole planet full of fantastic force. There you go. Right? That is how that works. Right. I assume that's how that works. I mean, listen, they get rid of cancer with radiation. Do the math. No cancer. Other than radiation causing cancer. We didn't even mention in the Maestro that Rick Jones uses the Silver Surfer surfboard as a coffee table. And I think that's important to mention in this discussion. I think I missed a lot in that scene. <laughs> I think your best bet in Mars is going to be underground tunnel cities and domes, right? Because a dome, you can artificially increase the atmospheric pressure up to closer to one atmosphere, one bar uh, here on Earth. I don't think terraforming the whole planet, even if it was 
possible from an engineering sense? Is it ethical to do that? I mean, the other ironic thing is all the stuff we're doing to Earth right now is the stuff you would want to do to Mars, and we can't even do it in a controlled way here on Earth, the planet that is the most habitable, hospitable place for us in the known universe. Hold on. I'm going to back up to something you just said. So there's an ethical question behind the idea of terraforming a planet that has no life that we know basically a giant okay that we know of fair enough but also i mean if there are fossils of life on mars i mean even here on earth construction projects have to have a paleontologist come in and make sure you're not destroying fossils or archaeological artifacts when you build a new building so do we need to have that same consideration when we're terraforming a planet are we is is the fossil record a thing worth preserving even if it's no longer a living biosphere i don't know Hmm. i don't know he could change the land, though, couldn't he, to, like, farmable land, soil? It wouldn't last, but he could do it. Soil's tough, because, you know, as we learned from the Martian, you need bacterial component to create soil. And, and and plants do a lot of working, you know, to create their own soil, too. And then we're learning more and more about the mycorrhizal fungi that live underground around the roots of plants, connecting the plants into sort of a root network internet. Which is amazing. It's so cool. But there's just, I think, you know... The way that the Earth ecosystem works, even the parts where we think we have some control over them, like farms and domesticated animals, there's still a lot, I think, that's happening in the background of Earth in the ecosystem services it provides that it would be hard to replicate. And you might not even think to replicate it until you tried and failed to unknown, do it in, unknowns. A, in a simple Just way. Couldn't he make those fungi? Couldn't he make those bacteria? I don't think Firestorm can do organic stuff or life stuff. I'm reading through his Wikipedia and it'll blow your mind. Okay, hit me. No, I mean, it's just constantly changing what he can and can't do. For a while, he could do organic. Oh, wow. I thought it was just changing, you know, the, the base nature of chemicals. Like basically he rearranged molecular out. structures and transmute non-organic material into anything else. But then later on, he had the ability to use organic material. It's all, you know. If you're rearranging molecular structure, though, that doesn't mean you can change the base atoms. So, for example, like, he couldn't make gold out of water. Yes, you can in the comics because people who write comics don't understand the difference. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It's not a knock on them. They just, that's just, that's, yeah. Or they, they understand it, but they've, cho- I'm guessing out of anybody doing fiction, they understand it, but they've chosen to ignore it. Yeah. That's probably more likely. Contact at fanboy.com. You can write in if you're like Rashad and you have a question about science. And then everyone else is like, okay, are they done yet? But we're not. That was a lot better than if I had answered it. <laughs> sure. I would have given the same answer of no, but I just wouldn't have had a good explanation. Josh, you, why don't you tell people what we've got out right now? We've got a lot. Of, this is our heavy month of shows. Yeah, this is a whole bunch. Uh, you can go listen to the Talksplode with Gene Lun Yang, who is on Shang-Chi right now and just re- uh, released this past year, Dragon Hoops. There is a Booksplode on Pulp, the new graphic novella from... Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, which Connor and I very much enjoyed. There is the animated brain trust gathering for Batman death in the family because we just can't let that crowbar go in our popular culture, apparently. There will be more shows on the way. There will be a, uh, a media explode coming up soon. Yeah, this week. Yeah. This is the month of every week we had a special edition show. You got eight shows this month on top of other stuff but eight shows which is a lot mm-hmm. when you're trying to fit it in everything else ryan how's your podcast going 
It is still going. Uh, I'm getting ready to post an episode later today. My podcast is called Science Sort of. If you couldn't tell, I'm a bit of a science nerd. Why don't you do an episode about Firestorm on Mars? Uh, We are probably going to do an episode about Chernobyl stuff if you want to get back to the nuclear physics of it all. (laughs) We're working with a guest on that who would be able to speak intelligently uh, about, about that. Our episode that's coming out Later today, so it will be out by the time folks listen to this, we are talking about, Connor, you're going to appreciate this, uh, Detroit has a pollen problem because mm. there are so many vacant lots and abandoned buildings. Plants are growing up all over the city and creating really horrific allergies for people in Detroit because the city is depopulated and there's just now more pollen than people can deal with. So that's a real social science science issue. Wow. That's some poison ivy Remove shit. Remove Detroit from a place I'll ever visit. And uh, we also go. talk about some of the controversy surrounding a bunch of these. If you've seen any news articles about like fossil finds out of uh, amber from Burma or Myanmar, there's some pretty troubling ethical concerns there. Those fossils may actually be funding a genocide. Not great. It's a heavier episode because we're talking yeah. about the, the effects that science can have on people and people's lives. But I think it's an important episode and I think we had a really good discussion. And so go check that out at sciencesword.com. Mm. Hey, speaking of Chernobyl, I know we're long, but this just keeps blowing my mind. The woman who played Ludmilla is the crazy nurse on Fargo, and I can't get over it. Emma Watson? No, no, no. No. Ludmilla. Who's Ludmilla? She's the lady, the firefighter's oh, wife. Oh, firefighter's wife. Right, right, right. She's the she's like the murderous nun on Fargo this season. And I, I'm like, wow, that she's boy, a that's nurse. an amazing actor. Yeah, nurse, sorry. It's a Catholic hospital at one point, so that's why I had the image of the cross in my head. But yes, nurse. You can head over to ifanboy.com. That's you can find all the shows we just talked about, our weekly show you're listening to now, our special edition shows that Josh just mentioned. We've got all of our podcasts, including all of our old written contents, all over at ifanboy.com. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter or ifanboy comics on Instagram. We also do the best of the week of panels feature. And individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Instagram, Ryan Haupt, H-A-U-P-T on Instagram, and Haupt on Twitter. Also, YouTube. Smash that like button, people. YouTube.com <laughs> slash iFanboy. That's where you can keep up to date on all the old video show uploads we've been doing thanks to the patrons who hit that stretch goal. This past week was a good one. We started off the week with a new comics preview from 2008 from New York <laughs> Comic Con with a special appearance by Augie Bleak. As you might expect, not a lot of people watch those new comics preview videos. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprising. But if you were reading then, I bet it's fun to sort of... Oh, hey, yeah. listen, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying uh, no, I get of it. the view numbers, those are on the low end. But then we had two powerhouse shows. The infamous episode where we talked about the Sandman, in which we made Ron dress up like a stereotypical goth. And then we made him keep the outfit on for the whole show, <laughs> which he hadn't planned on doing. And then did an episode uh, looking at Kingdom Come. So those are fun shows. Uh, we have some good ones coming up soon, including the one where we went out into the city. Which might be my favorite one we ever did. Oh, I was telling somebody about that the other day, and I was like, I don't think it's up yet. It's coming out soon. I've got it preloaded. It's ready to go. Very Uh, cool. The episode we went out to New York and looked at Marvel Comics landmarks as they are now in the real world, and that was super fun. They're all Chase Manhattan banks now. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all (laughs) Bank of America. Or Dwayne Reed's. It's one or the other. So check those out. YouTube.com slash iFanboy. You know, subscribe if you want to see. They'll be coming out for a year, at least a year, if not more. Mm -hmm. You like this show? Write us on iFanboy or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever is your podcast. Also, if you want to—I don't care if you like and subscribe. You should like though. If you want to thumb up those videos, that would be nice to do that. Better still, tell your friends about us. Share links. Say nice things if they are in your heart, and that would help us spread the iFanboy joy that we and you try very much to achieve each week. And that 
will do. Ryan, it was great to have you on. Yeah, this was so much fun. I've been looking forward to this all week. I'm very sorry it's been so long. We will not let this happen again. This okay. this injustice will not stand, man. <laughs> we tried to get him on for 750. It would have helped us out. He was busy. I had to take a walk in the woods. I like how you turned it into blame for him. <laughs> like that was. Yeah, I some... could, I could hear the frustration in your voices when I listened to the episode. I, you know, Josh was digging on my writing on the website. There were there were some there were some blo- body blows. I, I suffered through it though. I came out the I other side. I don't remember doing that. Most of the time in a podcast, I'm in a fugue state, so I can't be responsible for what I said. But Connor really went for some Jewish Catholic mother guilt there, and it was a thing of beauty. And he's neither, so. Yeah, so there you go. We'll have Ryan on again before the year's out. We don't actually that many more shows till the end of the year. I think there's like seven or eight more shows. We're getting close. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that yeah. next time. Not even next time. I don't know. I've totally just deflated. Like the balloon has... End the show! Say your name! I'm Connor! I'm Josh! Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Think about other people and we and, will get through things together. And period. vote. Oh, God. Vote. I already did. I would like to vote again. I guess that's illegal. 